Hello, and welcome to Industry Elites. On this podcast, Industry Elite's very own Natalie and Vicky are going to be interviewing business owners and individuals who have made their mark in their respective industries. Andrew Hanna is a fully licensed and registered Part A pharmacist with the Ontario College of Pharmacy. He was a previous member of the Peer Review Committee assisting with restructuring standards of practice to effectively give the best possible practice and increase patient safety and care. Appointed an active member of the Chaplain Regional Pharmacist Committee, appointed non-council member, serving discipline committee, 2.5 terms with the Ontario College of Pharmacists. He's a dedicated volunteer with the Ontario College of Pharmacists as a CE coordinator, assisted in organizing educational sessions, which has now transitioned to the Ontario Pharmacist Association. He supervised and educated pharmacy students and interns as an active preceptor, He is appointed and certified PACE Assessor with the Ontario College of Pharmacists. Hi everyone, on this week's episode of Industry Leads, Vicky and I are really excited to welcome Andrew Hanna. Thanks for coming on the podcast today, Andrew. Hello, thank you for having me, Vicky and Natalie. It's uh, great to be here. Yes, we're really excited to have you on. So one of the first things we always like to ask people who are joining us as our guests on the podcast is how are they doing, obviously, from what we've started with last year, thinking uh, something was going to be two weeks and we're on a whole year almost. It's a bit different. So we like to check in. It's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks. It's been an interesting couple, nine months, really. It's given us time, or, or me, I should say, particularly to reflect on the little things that we uh, thought we were uh, luxurious for and now that we don't have anymore. Yeah, definitely. I think with what uh, what we were all used to, it's going to continue to be a change. And I think the one thing that we've all realized is uh we're not going backwards at this point. Anything that any changes that we're making, it's very much going forwards and we're going to adapt as we go. That's for sure. So one thing with kind of COVID as we've keeping that as a common kind of discussion point at these days, because how can you not? How is that kind of being in the medical industry? How is that affected like being a pharmacist specifically, or how has the rollout of COVID testing and vaccine receival been in pharmacies? Funny you mention that because uh, we were actually having a debate about that last night, and uh, it's actually changed the way we do healthcare. We now uh, appreciate uh, technology a little more, right? Uh, we're a little more hesitant in the healthcare world on using it. It's uh, given us uh, the ability to do virtual care. It's given us the ability to consult with uh, prescribers or pharmacists in the comfort of our own uh, living room. Yeah, that's one thing that's kind of come out for or come out of it personally for me that I just find most doctors, this is like a quorum of my adult life, but most doctors are like nine to five and you work nine to five. So a lot of the times it's harder to leave your office, go to their office, come back go get a prescription, what have you. Now I love that, even though we're staying at home, but the fact that you can have a phone call with your doctor, you can have a video chat, you can kind of do those things for things that you don't necessarily have to physically be in the office for, like if you need a new prescription or what have you. And same goes for kind of pharmacies that I visited as well. You just call in or it goes straight to it and then they give you um, a time slot where you can go in because some of the pharmacies around me are smaller they're not like the 
kind of like the Walmart pharmacies. So you do just, you get your time slot, you show up at your time slot, your stuff's ready, and you go home. I think that is one of the best kind of, I'm really liking this like automated system that's really come out of COVID. Yeah, it's been interesting because a lot of the uh, smaller, more independent pharmacies that you're talking about have uh, been able to adapt to that pretty quickly. And it's great to see uh, that my friends are uh, in the community that are able to adapt to to the change uh, in dynamics. A little bit more of a challenge for the big box stores, but definitely uh, an improvement for for the independent world, independent pharmacies. Definitely. So as you've been in the industry for quite some time and you've obviously gained a lot of experience over this period of time, we always like to bring it back to how people initially got started in their industry. So maybe you could tell us a bit of that background from yourself. So I uh, wanted to get into the industry ever since uh, I was a high schooler and uh, it was uh, it was always fascinating on the manufacturing of pharmaceuticals and how medications are made and, and how they're compounded. And so I, uh, you know, chose that path and uh, became a compounding pharmacist fast forward, you know, a whole bunch of years now, but fast forward and, and uh, I'm a compounding pharmacist and still today, every day with every compound and prescription that comes in, it's, it's different, it's unique, it's a challenge and it's uh, a time to give back to the community what we are able to do. Uh, we are creative artists, us compounding pharmacists, and it's the mixture of art and science. So. It's uh, using that scientific knowledge that you have and, and being creative and putting it in an artistic way. And what I mean by that is coming up with different dosage forms that will help and be suitable for, uh, you know, your suitable audience like a gummy bear or a lollipop or, or dissolvable uh, tablets. We look for solutions and we deliver a product in a safely manner. So kind of explain to us and, the, and our listeners, what would be the difference between a compounding pharmacist and a regular pharmacist? The difference between the compounding pharmacist and a regular pharmacist is a compounding pharmacist uh, usually spends most of uh, his or her day in the lab making medication, uh, doing a lot of pharmaceutical calculations, looking at uh, different options and treatment plans, and most most importantly, delivery of the medication to our uh, targeted audience or patients. Regular pharmacist uh, does just plays just as an important role as a, a compounding pharmacist and they more specifically look at the therapeutics of the medication and its, it's uh, appropriateness. Fair enough. How would you kind of find that? Like if I was um, a customer and I had a prescription, how would I know which pharmacy to go to? Like this might be a completely dumb question for you, but is it is there a way that you can tell this or just kind of all pharmacies have a compounding pharmacist on hand? So, so that's a good question. Um, so not all pharmacies do have a compounding pharmacist. Their uh, com- ph- compounding pharmacies and or pharmacists are far in, and in between a whole, there's a, about a whole handful of them. Uh, more so pharmacists and compounding pharmacists uh, that are readily available. How do you pick one? Well, if you have a prescription from your doctor for something that needs to be compounded, your a pharmacist will re- uh, refer you to a uh, compounding pharmacy and uh, you can ask them on which ones are available and what they recommend. You know, you can call your compounding pharmacist before actually filling your prescription and getting it compounded and ask them, you know, what if, um, what makes you more unique than, you know, the compounding pharmacy that's, you know, down the block. It's not more of a competition. It's more of what are you able to deliver and 
is there that compatibility? It's building a relationship between your ph- yourself and your pharmacist, that professional relationship in order to get that medication compound in a way that you feel comfortable taking it. Definitely. So what does your day-to-day schedule then look like? It usually uh, starts off by uh, working closely with my assistants. Come in and my technician usually has a list of uh, compounds that are ready to go. I then uh, look at our calculations, look at what the medication is being uh, compounded, go through a three-point check so it gets checked by three different people as part of our quality assurance processing team to ensure that the method is proper, that's going to be used, the calculations, so there's no dosing error, and that completion of the file. So we it goes through these three steps before it actually enters the lab, and then it comes into the lab where the compounding pharmacist is, and then the compounding pharmacist will take it and then start uh, mixing it all up and you know doing a lot of cool stuff with it. Once it's done, you know if you're making lollipops, so Medicaid lollipops is a big one. Um, you leave it to dry and you you take it and you make sure it passes your validation. So what we do is we test our for example, lollipops, and make sure that each lollipop is weighed in its uh, theoretical therapeutics dose. And then it goes out to uh, the, the pharmacist outside who is in the dispensary. And then the pharmacist then, you know, double checks the compounding pharmacist's work. That sounds like a lot. Is there like kind of a tool that you guys use or like a software or something to stay organized with this? Like this just seems like such a lengthy process like i know myself i'd get lost a lot along the way yeah it does uh, it does get long and it, you know uh, with with the computer software we, that we do use that is uh, compounding friendly uh sometimes it is still easy to get lost but compounding pharmacies come a long way uh where we used to use the traditional uh, mortar and pistol right uh that you would see in maybe pictures of the 1800s of you know uh, a pharmacist making something and uh, believe it or not, sometimes we still use it. But now, now it's gone a long way. And, and, and being in this century, we have a lot of automated um, machinery. So it's, uh, it's really hard to make errors. Everything is pretty much automated. Uh, machinery is there. So it, it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, I invite you guys to come down one time. Yeah, sounds good. That'd be definitely fun to watch that. So uh, one of the methods that we had read from your interviews was your incorporation of the GoPro into your job for quality purposes. So we, that was really interesting to us in terms of using that sort of technology with your jobs. Maybe you can let us in on a little bit of why that is and is that something that you just do or is that like a common practice from a few different pharmacists? So that's actually a really good question. Uh, and that goes back, I guess, to answer the previous question uh, a little more clearly, I guess. As how do you pick your pharmacy or how do you pick your compounding pharmacist, right? I've implemented a uh, incorporated Premiate tool, which is the GoPro. And uh, it's fun because you get to record everything you're doing. You record your process. And then in the event that something does go wrong, you can always go back and use that as training purposes and make sure it's, it's done correctly. Another neat tool with the GoPro is, uh, so as the pharmacist is in the, in the lab, you can air it and the patient could be, you know, just sitting in the, in the waiting area and uh, watch it on TV while you make their medication. So it, it, it's pretty neat and uh, we have like a little window, like a display window with uh, steps for kids to kind of, you know, peek their heads through the window and uh, watch being having, having their lollipops or gummy bears being made or just sitting down and watch your uh, creams being made on the television outside, right? 
it's it's obviously all private and confidential, but the, the option is there and we set you all up and, and it's fun. It gives that personalized feeling and approach to compounding. So really, how do you pick one? It's really, you know, one compounding pharmacist to the other might differ in experience or tools or equipment. Um, but the theory and the method is usually pretty the same. Incorporating cool things like this is a little different. Well, definitely make waiting uh, a whole lot less boring. <laughs> yeah, makes your wait at the pharmacy a lot less boring for sure. Yeah, that's actually definitely really cool to watch because I always think whenever, like, if I have to go to one of the big box pharmacies, I'm always just kind of wandering the shampoo aisle, just looking at something, waiting for my prescription. Right. So if you just look at your, like, if you know, the next time you take an Advil or a Tylenol and you look at it, you're like, I wonder how this was made. If I was able to sit down in the waiting area and just watch this. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I ended up on pharmacy TikTok for a brief moment at one point. Me and, too. <laughs> yes. And they had this thing where they, um, I guess how they make like pills or capsules. I don't, I don't really know which one it was for, but it was like a little thing with a bunch of holes and then they like put their powder stuff all over it and then they pressed it and it like popped out a pill and I was just so like wow like just absolutely so I've made a couple of those mid videos TikTok videos uh, have you? That's yeah 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 using the pill so that is actually a pill a capsule machine um, and that's exactly what we use yeah, I thought that was so like fascinating. I don't like I don't know what I thought on how they got made. I think I assumed some form of like a chocolate mold style thing and they'd have to get like cooked or something. Something like but, that. Yeah, that was so cool. I must have watched that seriously like thirty times. I don't know why I was so infatuated with it, but it made my day, that's for sure. So one thing with this video thing, super cool, would definitely make me want to come back to your pharmacy. Do you think that there is a lot of competition in the industry or do you think it's just kind of like you said before, everyone's experience, they just kind of have different methods and tools about going about it? It is a competitive market and, and incorporating a lot of these uh, cool and neat things to incorporate your patients or your, your audience into the making of their medication kind of makes you differentiate differentiates yourself through to your competitors right you know you, you go into the uh, pharmacy across the street and you hand in your prescription for a compound of capsules they're making and they say you know come back tomorrow or the day after where at our location we try to get them out done you know same day and uh we try to uh, air it if you want and watch it so it, it kind of you know helps with uh, incorporating you into that process. And that to us is important. When you see what is being made, it kind of gives you the sense of, hey, yeah, I trust this compounding pharmacy or pharmacist. I saw how my medication's working, right? So it's neat, it's different. Definitely different, but like you said, there's, I guess, those few things that you can do to be able to set yourself apart from others. And I would assume that's a, a difference maker, especially in your industry. Um, so the one thing we actually want to know is what's the biggest misconception people have about your position? I don't think I ever had someone had that, uh, had a misconception of what pharmacists or compounding pharmacists really do. I think I've been blessed really not to have someone, I guess, question the process or, or what? Okay, yeah, definitely fair. Maybe like we can turn it back to when you first started out. Was there things when you were first starting in the industry that surprised you maybe? 
Yeah, it, starting off in the industry, definitely it was a, a different ball game. It, it, it took me by surprise and it was really very structured actually, I should say, uh, in the beginning. And uh, it was, you know, A plus B equals C type of thing. And that was it. And, and uh, by time, as you got a lot more experience and comfortable with, you know, your capsule machine or, or, or your, your process, you're able to have a little bit of fun compounding. And, and what I mean by that is incorporating, you know, your GoPro or incorporating your, your, your audience, your, your patients into the process. And it makes it fun for everybody. So as a local pharmacist yourself, do you think it's a kind of a good thing to have customers build a relationship with their pharmacist? Or do you think it's like it's more beneficial to have that kind of personal relationship that they know what's kind of going on with you, what's going on with the prescriptions that you're getting? I think it's definitely important for a person or, or for myself in the community to have that professional relationship with the patients. It gives you that ability to give them your trust and receive the trust. And it's important for them to trust you uh, and, and build that relationship. Without that professional relationship, it makes no difference than someone pharmacy hopping. Very true. So as your position kind of combines uh, the medical incorporation of cannabis and then also your compounding pharmacist, do you find that people are skeptical about the use of cannabis for medical purposes when they're coming to you? Like it's obviously been recommended to them and then you're obviously having to explain it, but are people hesitant or do you think it's like it's really normalized now? We've gone a long way from cannabis, uh, you know, from we're in a different place where we were 10 years ago with cannabis uh, and we're a different place where we were six months ago. But Cannabis is, um, you know, people still tippy-toe. People are, it definitely has people's attention. It's got grabbed their attention. Uh, and surprisingly, it's got the elderly population. So the more senior or, or frail population. But people are still tippy-toeing around it. You know, are they, does their pharmacist feel comfortable about it? Should I say it, right? Because we've been taught that cannabis is a drug and it was a no-no and, you know, you got slapped on the hand and, you know, it's smoking is bad for you, right? And so with that stigma, it's definitely uh, has changed. And I like to say we smoke the stigma out, right? And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's coming down a long way. So you don't really need to have inhaled cannabis to, to feel better or to, you know, fix your arthritis. There's rubs that you can use, right? So creams, ointment, gels. So they come in, we can make them or they come in different forms. And, and medically, right? So currently we cannot compound with cannabis in Ontario, but uh, do I see that coming down the pipelines? Absolutely. Are people questioning uh, the use of it? Yes. And are they welcome to it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those kind of stigmatized things because I know my grandma, she had really, really bad arthritis um, to the point where she had to get a knee replacement and she tried every cream on the market like medicated to like tiger bomb i believe that was yeah, called that's right i like ptsd from smelling that like that is the worst smelling cream. smell like, <laughs> it's just it has this really weird i don't know it's just it's really bad anyway it's like menthol turmeric kind of if you can imagine that it's just not a pleasant smell anyway my rant about creams but um she was hesitant like very hesitant at the time she was about 85 ish so she grew up in that generation where it was just like no drugs are bad this is your brain on drugs the egg in the frying pan thing and then she wouldn't try she wouldn't try it and then my aunt 
ended up getting her this like CBD cream and kind of was just like, here, I got it at Shoppers. Disregard everything. Just try it. She tried it. It worked phenomenally for her arthritis. And then she must have used it for about a year before she actually found out it was CBD. And then she just didn't care at all because she was like, whatever, it worked. So I feel like if you could, like, as society, we can get over that stigma, it's going to help a lot of people in the long term. It definitely will help a lot of people in the long term. And, and, and going to a person who, or a, a professional who's a cannabis consultant or a pharmacist who is educated in cannabis will help you get rid of that whole stigma, right? And get you into the future, get you treated with what you need to be treated with appropriately. It's definitely good, like you said, to have that background. And I think even just having that included on when people are coming to you that they know, okay, this is the type of advice they're going to be able to receive probably makes it a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more relatable to have those conversations up front as opposed to being worried or nervous. Or like you said, people are kind of hesitant to bring it up in some cases as well. So I think it's definitely going to be something changing, as you mentioned. Obviously, you're very busy during your work life, and there's a lot of tasks that you complete in your day. But what do you do in your spare time to keep busy or keep yourself going in a positive way? I enjoy the outdoors a lot. I uh, do a lot of skating, uh, skiing, I play hockey a lot. You know, in the winter months and summer months, you know, you you strap up and go to the rink or uh, kayaking is what I do in the summer. I do enjoy the outdoors. It breaks me away from the mayhem that happens, but believe it or not, I do miss the mayhem and sometimes I get sucked into it. And that's my, my goal away from work is being in the lab. Yeah, that's definitely the balance with those Canadian winters, especially from working from home now. I know every time it snows, I just look out the window like, oh, outside, <laughs> never yeah. going back there. <laughs> Well, that is exciting. So I have one question to ask. Some of our fellow colleagues were curious when we told them we had you um, on the podcast here. Shout out to my editor that's going to be editing this. We were curious, and obviously you don't have to answer if it's not something you feel comfortable with. However, do you think the vaccine rollout for all of Canada is going to happen by September? Uh, So I don't think, I don't think so. And, uh, and it's disappointing. I, I'd like to give the federal government, uh, you know, an A plus for announcements uh, because they did a great job on announcing, you know, when the rollout was and uh, how we're going to get it and uh, and all that. But uh, they definitely got an F in my books for a rollout. They they didn't roll it out properly. Um, you know, there there's no follow through. Unfortunately, you got the premier of Ontario. You know, saying I'm going to drive down to the states and pick them up myself. I mean, when you got the premier province saying that, uh, it's it's a bit alarming. It's great that he would do that. I think he would uh, if he had to. But it's a it's a bit alarming. The EU, the European Union now, they've actually have a vaccine export policy, and I think that they announced uh, yesterday. They weren't going to send anything out until everyone in the EU or the European countries got vaccinated first. And if there was any doses left with the uh, drug companies announcing yesterday and the day before that they're slowing down production and, uh, you know, delivering it to the U.S. before Canada. It's sad to see what our government uh, has invested in these foreign countries. Uh, these foreign countries have invested in, in factories and in, in companies, um, you know, production there in, in their countries. 
we've uh, you know sent money over as a country and we haven't really received anything and the federal government said that we are announcing all this and the bad part is we're not we're, we should be producing at home and, and we're not producing at home definitely makes it a lot more difficult and a lot more confusing when when people are then having to look okay well who are we going to give it to now and in their own i guess defense too why would they want to give it to other people before before themselves it just sucks when we're at the other end of that spectrum and the ones who are not going to get it as quickly as a first world country and the leading one of the leading countries in the world and the first world country it's uh it's hard it's it's sad yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see kind of how this goes. Uh, it's funny, too, because I was on the phone with Amazon the other day. I, I was talking to their customer service, and then the guy was just like, I'm in the Philippines, and you're in Canada, right? And I was like, yeah. He was like, can I ask you a personal question? And I was like, okay, Amazon man. And he he was just like, do you guys get the vaccines yet? And I was like, no, like they're just rolling them out for kind of like nurses and healthcare workers and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, we're not allowed to get them here. And I was like, oh, oh. yeah, he said that um, he was telling me that the Philippine government is saying that they're worried about how the vaccine will hold up in kind of their climate just because with all the freezers and stuff. And then I was telling him about how Chapman is supposed to be doing freezers to hold our vaccine. And of course, he didn't know that company. And I was like, yeah, they make ice cream. Yeah, he thought that was so funny that an ice cream company is holding our vaccines. Like this man went like hysterical and I told him that. And I was like, yeah, I guess if you're outside of Canada, that would be a ridiculous claim. But I just thought it was really funny that kind of this random stranger was like, I need to ask you this question. Like you could hear like like the importance, like seriousness in his voice. And I was just like, if you asked me, okay, I can't say a year ago because it's pretty much been a year. But if you asked me last, last October, I would be having these conversations. I would have never believed you in a hundred years. It's just crazy how far we got. Definitely not at all. So I guess we've definitely touched on a lot of different avenues and a lot of different topics. But Andrew, is there anything uh, that you kind of want to touch on to leave our listeners with? You know, it's uh, just kind of really stay safe. Uh, keep social distancing at its uh, prime and uh, be healthy. That's, that's, that's what I have for the listeners to take home. Love that. So we appreciate you taking the time to come on the episode with us. And we think our listeners will take a lot of our good conversation and uh, be able to learn a little bit more than they knew before. So thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. I, I was happy to do this. Thank you. Thank you.